0: From the Tulsa World, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Oklahoma breaks a two-game losing streak with a 59-20 win over West Virginia. Joined by Mason Young here in at Owen Field. Uh, it's after midnight, late night, 1223 a.m. as we record this, but for Oklahoma fans, it was a much-needed win. For the Sooners football program, it's a step back toward being a, having a chance to get to the Big 12 championship game, which is something we would never thought of happened, but things are starting to fall Oklahoma's way. A lot of confidence built tonight, Mason, especially on the offense. Right. Uh, we talked about it
1: earlier in our spot on the field, uh, but it's just incredible how quickly a narrative can shift, Eric. You know, a week ago, a lot of fans were saying, oh, you season is over. And now uh, everything is flipped on its head. Jeff Levy, who was being criticized for his play calling in critical situations, called a masterful game tonight. It felt like OU's offense pretty much at all times just had their foot on West Virginia's throat. Dylan Gabriel, uh, incredible game, probably the best overall game of his career. Passed for over over 300 yards and had eight total touchdowns, five passing, three rushing. Just, just insane, just insane the performance he put up. Uh, a huge bounce back week for Levy and Gabriel, silencing the critics, and, and as you said, putting OU right back into the Big Twelve championship game uh, picture with their win to keep their season going, and elsewhere around the Big Twelve, Oklahoma State and Kansas losing today.
0: Well, you mentioned Dylan Gabriel, eight total touchdowns, five passing, three running, something no Oklahoma player has done in history. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, two Heisen Trophy winners, had seven touchdowns in a game or or produced seven touchdowns. Dylan Gabriel with eight. We had a chance to talk to him after the game. And, man, kids stayed humble. He didn't stay, you know, he didn't want to talk about records. He wanted to talk about the win. Just a really a deep look, and that's a deep look into what kind of player and person Dylan Gabriel is.
1: Yeah, it it, it continues to impress just, you know, how uh humble and, and also true to himself he stayed throughout this entire season. You know, obviously early, the success he was having, it seemed like uh he had a he had a lot of swagger. Uh, You know, he just talked about having regained kind of an edge that he lost, you know, maybe last year in the six and seven uh, run that playing football wasn't as fun anymore. But somewhere that switch flipped and he just let loose and started having fun again. He was playing great. Obviously, they they hit a a rough patch the past couple weeks with some bad situational football, just some stuff that that, uh, they didn't quite get right that that cost them against Kansas and Oklahoma State. But I thought it was really telling, uh, you know, listening to. Him talk the other night after practice, just how uh, good in spirits he was, despite everything that had happened the past two weeks, and uh, how that projected for him potentially having a big game this week. Uh, obviously, the other the other stat that's out there, you talked about the, the OU record, but he also uh, tonight passed Colt Brennan, the former uh, Hawaii quarterback, on the all time passing list. So Dylan Gabriel now tenth on the all time college football career passing leaders list. And he's right behind Luke Falk from Washington State, and has a good chance to to probably pass him next week at BYU, and uh, potentially even next week could also pass uh, number eight, which is Baker Mayfield. So, uh, pretty incredible that when it's all said and done, that Dylan Gabriel could have more passing yards in his college career uh, than Baker Mayfield, somebody who's meant so much to this OU fan base. Uh, so, really, just uh, you gotta you gotta almost be happy for Dylan Gabriel, just. Uh, you know, the success that that he's had and, and the turnaround that they had tonight after two really, really tough weeks, just the way that he stayed positive, kept his head down and worked, and then came out and executed tonight. Dylan Gabriel
0: was 23 of 36 for 423 yards with those five touchdown passes. Three of those go to Drake Stoops. Uh, Drake Stoops, what a game. I tell you. Last week we talked about how big a game he had Oklahoma State and a losing cause. Well, tonight he had 10 catches for 164 yards, topping his previous best of 134 just set last week. Three touchdowns, including what impressed me the most, Mason, was his 60-yard touchdown catch. Caught the ball, stayed inbounds down the sideline. Cut across the field and then the last five yards carried a pile into the end zone, and that was just one of his three touchdowns. His last touchdown, and we talked a little bit about this. This was talking about Dylan Gabriel and Drake Stoops being good friends. Stoops got a touchdown pass in the end zone, took a shot, and uh, in fact, the, the, the tackle was uh, examined for targeting. Uh, it wasn't a targeting call, but it sure it was a hard hit. Uh, Drake fell to the ground and, you know, I I, honestly, you know, I can say this now, I thought he lost consciousness, but Drake admitted after the game, he just lost his breath, wanted to lay there for a minute. Well, while all that was going on, while all the lights were out at Memorial Stadium, Dylan Gabriel, while people went and started kind of shoving guys away from Drake Stoops and started a little skirmish. Jalil Fru got in there and uh, a little, a little, it got a little heated, a little heated uh, pretty quick there. But uh, I was impressed. Dylan Gabriel said, That's my guy talking about uh, Drake Stoops. And Drake Stoops said, That's my guy. So those two uh, combined for three touchdowns and had each other's back when uh, things were tough.
1: Yeah, that was wild. The the West Virginia defenders standing over him after just obliterating him was insane and then obviously everything that uh you know it's it's kind of incredible that that there was not any penalties assessed on that play but then they kicked the extra point and then you get the flags just start flying everywhere you had uh you had the the defender that hit Drake Stoops got an unsportsmanlike conduct McCabe McTower got two unsportsmanlike conducts and got ejected from the game because you know he was obviously chirping back at that guy trying to you know defend his guy Drake Stoops and the, the funniest part of it all is the Cayman Tower's walking off the field, and he gets a fist bump from OU's president, Joseph Harris Jr., as he's going to the locker room. I mean, just, just inexplicable things. That's why college football is the greatest sport, Eric. Like, there's literally just so many yeah. weird things that you don't expect to see in the, the course of an evening, but we saw it all. You know, a bunch of guys getting into it, fighting under the lights, and then at, at the end of it all, you know, the – one of the most important people in the entire stadium fist bumping the player that, that you know, was one of the instigators of the
0: fight. Oklahoma gave up a uh, opening drive possession touchdown. Gave up a touchdown the opening possession by West Virginia, 7-0. A lot of feeling that, oh, no, here we go. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you probably thought, I've seen this story before. But West Virginia would not get another first down until midway through the second quarter. And when West Virginia got their next first down after that opening drive, it was 31 to seven. Oklahoma scored on their first five possessions, taking command of the game early, uh, really setting the tone early. And that, that was much needed by the offense. Uh, just like, again, just like you said, impressive game by the offense. Let's switch gears and talk about the defense. And, uh, one player stood out. It was the player at linebacker who came back, missed, missed last week, but really showed out with a game high or team high eight tackles for the Sooners, Danny Stutzman. Uh, what's your thoughts on Danny coming back and the game he played?
1: Well, Brent Venables kept emphasizing the two weeks that he was out that they felt like they should have won those games regardless, that they had the defensive talent and the playmakers aside from Stutzman to be able to win those games. And I, I think to some extent that may, you know, potentially be true. This obviously is a more talented defense than they had last year, just with the freshmen that they have, the guys that they've developed from last year, redshirt freshmen and sophomores and stuff like that, the transfers that they brought in, you know, we've known that all year. But Danny Sussman really does make a big difference. I mean, his his communication is key, and he even talked about it after the game. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you necessarily quantify it as rust or what it was, but there was some stuff that he didn't communicate correctly uh, that he took ownership for on that first drive where West Virginia scored with ease. Uh, just some stuff that that in terms of calls that and, and getting everybody lined up that he didn't get right, and uh, they got that fixed in hurry. Right, you know, the next their next. Uh, 0 for 6 on third down, West Virginia was, the next uh, six tries that they had. And uh, I, obviously having him in there made a big difference. He led the team with eight tackles. He had two tackles for loss. And I thought the other thing that was really uh, impeccable about his performance was, uh, you know, he played Mike Backer tonight. He's played Will Backer the entire season, but they slid him over to Mike. He obviously has played there in the past, played there a lot last year. Um, you know, is 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 really good at both, has a lot of experience at both. And, and what that allowed them to do was then, you know, slide Kip Lewis, who's been his backup slash replacement all year, in at will backer, and you know, Kip is already emerging into the kind of star that Danny has become. I mean, he's he's going to hit that level eventually, um, where he's you know probably just as good as Danny. I mean, it's he his his growth from last year to this year has been really impressive. Uh, Kobe McKenzie came off the bench in for Stutzman a little bit as well and did some really nice things, uh, but uh, having since been back. Was huge because it allowed you to play Lewis a lot, start Lewis and play Lewis a lot more snaps. And uh, the rest of the defense really just rallied around those guys and everybody did what they were supposed to do and it worked out.
0: You know, it's funny. I asked Ted Roof after the game. We talked about Danny coming back and how important it was for him to be back. And uh, Coach Roof talked also about how, you know, the mental reps, the sideline reps that Danny took and the leadership he did when he was, wasn't playing. And then I asked uh, Coach Roof about Danny not being on the because semi-final list uh one of the top 12 linebackers in the country and all ted Roof said was i know what kind of football player danny is that was his answer so i, I think there's a little bit of uh, probably ted's not happy that he's not on that list so um couple interceptions oklahoma i think has 17 on the season now uh who got the picks today uh who, who got the picks today Billy Bowman tipped it up for Reggie Pearson. That was the first one. And then Jacoby Johnson had oh, one in the first quarter. The late one. So uh, Oklahoma was able to turn the Mountaineers over as well as take care of the football. They just, I think, oh, you just had the one turnover on the uh, muff punt, correct? That was all they had. So, I
1: believe so. Yeah.
0: Oklahoma wins the turnover battle. And that's something that they didn't do the last two losses, <laughs> all up six times. Uh, so Oklahoma gets back on the winning side of that, and Brent Vidal has mentioned that over and over, mentioned it again tonight, that winning the turnover battle was tough. Um, So this Oklahoma team, they still have a lot to play for, and we mentioned it early. Uh, They go to BYU next week for an 11 a.m. kick, 10 a.m. local time. I think it's going to be one of the earliest games. It might be – I don't remember the last time Oklahoma kicked a game off earlier than 11 o'clock. It might be one of the earliest games in school history, 10 a.m. I think BYU is getting – Beat pretty handily by Iowa State. That game is almost over. Here it is twelve thirty-five a.m. I think that game's still going on, but Oklahoma so much to play for in front of them, and they're going to be heavy favorites in these last two games. Right, and, and we've tried to break
1: it down, and I still am not, you know, totally sure if we have this picture entirely clear. But we think this is what the Big Twelve tiebreakers uh, look like moving forward for OU. Obviously, OU has to win out. You know, they have to beat BYU and TCU. Uh and, and looking at that, you know, Oklahoma State and Kansas both lost today. So they both have two losses in conference play, as does Kansas State. And uh Kansas, the biggest game kind of remaining on the schedule is uh Kansas State still has to play uh Kansas. In fact, that is next week in Lawrence. So the optimal situation for OU getting into the Big 12 championship game is Texas wins out, which they have to play Iowa State names next week, so that's no guarantee. But ideally, that happens, and then what what OU needs is is for uh, Kansas State to beat Kansas in Lawrence next week, uh, and what that would do is you would have Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and OU all as two lost teams, but because they have not all played each other, the Big Twelve doesn't take tiebreakers into account. Uh, so they're essentially all on even playing ground and OU would get the second uh, Big 12 championship game slot because it owns the tiebreaker over Texas from the Red River rivalry and again that's assuming that Texas wins out so that is the picture as we understand it it's still a little bit confusing Uh, but the obviously the path is there you know it after last week after Bedlam it was really all doom and gloom but OSU losing to UCF today, really just a egregious loss for them. And, and also, Kansas, you know, Jason Bean getting hurt and them losing to Texas Tech and, and now having to, unless Jalen Daniels all of a sudden miraculously gets healthy, they may be running with their third string quarterback for the rest of the season. They're in a very uh, precarious position. And maybe that helps OU because it makes Kansas State's chances of beating them next week better. Uh, but OU, as we said, uh, has uh, miraculously gotten back into the Big 12 championship game picture, and honestly Eric, should we really be that surprised? I mean, it, it it just seems like every year that that it all shakes out to somehow work out in OU's favor, right? I mean, they were a two-loss team. They they started 0-2 in Big 12 play in 2020 and still won the Big 12 championship and went to a New Year's Six Bowl, and Looks like we very well could see the same thing this year.
0: And the crazy thing is, here we are, first year of a non-round robin uh, Big 12 conference, having to do a little bit of figuring out. I mean, when when you have a round robin, it's more cut and dry. So this is something we're learning, too. And it's only one year for Oklahoma, of course. They're going to SEC next year. So that's interesting, too. So Oklahoma, BYU next week. Uh, Oklahoma again uh, should be a heavy favorite, but we know what happened the last time the Sooners played on the road. The last two times Oklahoma was played on the road, they're going to have to really uh, kind of exercise some demons, some road demons, when they go to BYU. It's going to be a tough game. The first trip to Provo, though, it's going to be really neat, uh, just something new for Oklahoma fans too. So, all right, I think uh, Mason, I think that'll wrap us wrap it up for us. Um, again, thank you so much for listening to us. On this podcast, this post-game podcast, we do one during the middle of the week after the uh, football play- get it availability with coaches and players. And then uh, we'll have another post-game from Provo, Utah next Saturday. So continue to listen to us. We appreciate it. Sport local journalism. You can read all our work at TulsaWorld.com, as well as John Shin, who is our freelance writer, who's done great work this year, and Nate Paken who uh, does great videography. What is it? Videographer. Let me think of his title. Nate does good work as well. So, and uh, Daniel Schuler was out shooting today for the Tulsa World. So, team effort. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week.
1: All right, let me meet you down there. Can I catch a ride with you, and Daniel, back to my car? Yeah, yeah let's get out of here.